You are listening to The Secrets of Analytical Leaders, hosted by Wayne Eckerson. What observability really means is that it's monitoring for the 2020s. It's looking at a lot of different digital noise and trying to extract signals from that. My name is Wayne Eckerson. My job is to help data and analytics leaders succeed. In these podcasts, I share the latest thinking and innovations in our space. I'm glad you've joined the conversation. Today, we're talking about observability, what it is and why you need it. I first heard the term last year and I thought, what the heck is that? Does it have anything to do with data? Is it something that we need to pay attention to here at Eckerson Group? We are fortunate to have with us today one of the industry's foremost experts on the topic. Kevin Petrie is Vice President of Research at Eckerson Group, where he leads a team of distinguished analysts. He recently wrote an article titled, The Five Shades of Observability. No relation to the 50 Shades of Grey, I assume. I found the article immensely useful in understanding this emerging technology. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Wayne, great to be here. Thank you very much. So like a lot of terms and concepts in technology, observability is getting used by a lot of vendors and practitioners in a lot of different contexts. So I was intrigued and decided to dig into the various flavors. I found five, arguably there are many more, at least six, but we can talk about that. What observability really means is that it's monitoring for the 2020s. It's looking at a lot of different digital noise and trying to extract signals from that. So it's trying to figure out if you're looking at uh, a cloud platform, if you're trying to run applications in a cloud environment, as an example, how do you make sure that all the logs those applications are throwing off, all the logs the containers are throwing off, all the different interdependencies across your environment are resulting in strong application performance for your users. So that's just one example. There are a lot of different ways in which the digital noise is starting to overwhelm infrastructures and systems, and observability, put simply, is a way to extract signals from that so that organizations can optimize how they're running their business. Haven't we always been doing this? I mean, (laughs) uh, haven't we already always been monitoring our infrastructure to make sure that you know the servers are up, the network's not slowing down, all that kind of thing that could affect your applications and things like that. What's new about this observability? Sure. Yeah, the, one of the things I love about technology is that Mark Twain's adage holds true, which is that uh, history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. And so we're definitely rhyming here. Ever since you've had client server systems, the internet and so forth, you've had a lot of interdependencies, a lot of digital noise that gets created and the need to monitor all that. Very true. Uh, What's new is that the level of complexity has increased by orders of magnitude. Whether you're looking at the need to optimize a hybrid cloud platform, whether you're looking at the need to optimize um, the business signals that you're getting from various parts of your business. And so the level of complexity is higher, which means that you need a more dedicated discipline in order to look at that various sets of uh, digital noise. Yeah, so is that because of the cloud? So we've moved to the cloud, we're starting to embrace microservices and containers. We might have hundreds or thousands of these containers containers being spawned. 
uh, across multiple servers. Is, I mean, is that the complexity you're talking about? That's a great example of complexity. If you look at uh, IT ops and DevOps, two disciplines that um, were sort of oriented towards on-premise environments or maybe hybrid environments, you're trying to make sure that you have efficient operations and reliable operations when it comes to IT ops. You're trying to make sure that you have agile responses to business demands when it comes to DevOps. If you put all that on the cloud environment, suddenly the complexity is a lot higher. You have new sources of uh, risk. Containers, uh, you have um, different load balancers within your cloud environments. And while the cloud was sort of purported to be this set it and forget it approach to IT infrastructure, the reality is that those that work still needs to be done. It's just in a different flavor. People need to spend a lot of time looking at how um, things are operating in their cloud environments and optimizing their performance. So I'm going to have to take a wild guess here. If this was just about monitoring your IT infrastructure, we wouldn't be here talking about it because we're not IT folks, right? We're, we're data guys. So what does this have to do with data? Let's talk about the five flavors. There's business, business metrics, figuring out, looking at all sorts of metrics, including KPIs and other measures of your business, what the trends are, what the correlations are, and the anomalies. And so that's analytics, figuring out among hundreds, potentially, of metrics, how they all interrelate to each other and spotting patterns and breaks in the patterns. So it's essentially monitoring and analytics of all those data points. Operations observability, you can really look at as uh, a born-again version of APM, application performance management, for the cloud. Operations is looking at application and resource performance um, and the availability and utilization of different pieces of your infrastructure. Then there's data pipeline observability, which is pipeline and resource performance. It's also availability and utilization of the different components that support data pipelines. Then there's model observability, which is machine learning models, understanding how they're performing in terms of latency, throughput, and so forth, and also in terms of accuracy, explainability, and compliance. Um, and the final one is data quality observability, which is looking at the accuracy, the completeness, the consistency, and the timeliness of data that's delivered to the organization. So to your question about how this relates to data, whatever you're monitoring and optimizing through these five different versions of observability, it all involves analyzing data points. And some of them, looking at data pipeline observability, looking at model observability, and data quality, you're looking in particular at workloads that uh, have a lot of dependencies on data and how data is flowing. <laughs> okay, so whatever you're monitoring, whether it's hardware or networks, it's going to it's generating a lot of data. So as data guys, we're interested in how do you how do you uh, source that data? Yeah. How do you aggregate it? How how do you uh, correlate it? How do you report on it and analyze it? Okay, but now you're saying there's some data processes that we want to observe as well. You mentioned three, data pipeline observability, so observing what's happening in your end-to-end -end pipeline from source to one or more targets and everything along the way and how it's all moving or if it's moving properly and if not, what's causing a, a delay. Model observability, I assume that's with AI, ML models, right? Correct. Um, 
And we want to make sure that I suppose the pipelines that are feeding those models are feeding them properly and they're not drifting. Exactly. Yep, you want to make sure that they're getting timely, accurate features that still represent business reality and that they're responding to those. So observability will be able to detect whether there's drift in the data that be, could be causing the model to become less accurate. Exactly. And then the third one was data quality observability, where somehow or other, <laughs> it's not like you're tracking bits and bytes here. You're actually opening the envelope and looking inside the data at what the contents are to find out if there's any errors. Correct. That's correct. And so you can tell that, I think to your point, Wayne, we've done this stuff before when it comes to operations observability. It's, um, it's really taking the discipline of APM and modernizing it to adjust to hybrid and cloud operations. When we talk about data quality observability, it's taking the discipline of data quality and applying it to very dynamic uh, flows of data and very high volumes and, uh, and uh, sets of data that have a lot of variety as well. So it's really modernizing familiar disciplines um, to address requirements in our digital age. So with this data quality observability, I mean, we, we've always had data quality, right? And we, we write rules usually in SQL uh, to check the quality of the data. But I, I think what you're talking about here is a completely different approach, an observability approach to managing data quality that doesn't have anything to do with handwritten rules in SQL. Right. So it's going to involve um, algorithms that could take advantage of machine learning. It's going to do checks of quality. It's going to do comparisons of source and target data. It's also going to monitor timeliness because in, in our real-time society, there are a lot of transactions and a lot of interactions digitally that require real-time data. And so when you get to this real-time element of data delivery, quality becomes that much more important. You might have an application that's going to respond immediately and automatically to data that's delivered to it. And if you got a quality problem, you've now just automated a bad decision or automated an error and put that into operational workflows. So data quality becomes much more important and much harder to check when you're talking about real-time data flows. So with your five shades of observability, I assume there's different products for each of these shades. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you want to give some examples? Yeah, I will. And it's interesting as we go through this because right now we have five pretty distinct product segments. Arguably what they have in common is the high-level concept and the term. But there are ways in which they're starting to uh, help one another and overlap, and we could talk about that. So when we talk about a business observability or business um, monitoring, as you've highlighted, Wayne, Anadot, a Click are two examples there. So you're looking at companies that, uh, you know, in the case of Click, they've got a, a strong presence with with business intelligence, and so they're adding to their platform the ability to monitor and optimize a lot of different signals and interdependencies. Um, operations observability is interesting. It has two camps. It has the, I'll, I'll say, traditional application performance management platforms um, that might be at Dynamics, that might be New Relic. Um, and then they've got new companies like uh, Chronosphere, which are applying um, a similar discipline 
to a cloud native context. Data pipeline observability is an interesting area. That's where we're looking at, in some ways, a similar set of dynamics and metrics related to IFT infrastructure, but it's supporting data workloads and analytic-specific workloads. Um, and so there you're looking at Unravel. Excel data is an example there as well. Model observability is really a component of the machine learning lifecycle. It's a component of production model activities. It supports data governance and model governance, which is critical. So you're really going to see that within machine learning platforms, um, such as data robots, such as data IQ. Uh, and then finally, we have data quality observability, which has been getting a lot of attention in our space, rightfully so, because it's a, a serious concern making sure that you have timely, accurate data that you're driving your business with. So here, Monte Carlo and Big Eye are two examples. You know, one other point that I'll add is that if you look at where there's potential overlap, um, Excel data is one example because they're doing data pipeline observability. They've also got some model observability and they'll look at data quality. And I think there'll be more trends like that where you've got complementary technology bleeding across categories. Right. So the obvious question that any IT manager would ask is, <laughs> do I need five different observability products? right, to cover the span of everything in my enterprise that I'm responsible for. That seems like it'd be a tall ask. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. I think if you look at the average Fortune 2000 company, they've got pain in all these categories. Um, but that's not to say that they need five specialized tools. I've mentioned there are some companies, Excel Data is one that starts to address multiple segments. Um, but there's also a question of how much pain do you have if um, if you have a business that is relatively straightforward and and more batch oriented than real time oriented. Um, maybe you don't need business observability segments. And certainly appreciate your thoughts on that. If you're looking at in the area of data quality, if you have a pace of the business and a level of interdependency that's pretty low, maybe that's something where you don't need the data quality observability tools. I think that in most cases, as organizations move to the cloud, they really are starting to say, wow, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things to monitor here. The cloud is complex. It's created a lot of noise, and I've got to figure out what's going on. I've got to make sure that when I'm getting these mountains of logs or metrics start to go haywire in terms of performance, that my cloud-based application is still going to have uptime during uh, Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So operational observability in a cloud context in particular, I think is becoming somewhat of a, of a high priority item for a lot of companies. Data pipeline observability is also critical and more critical as organizations move from traditional analytics to artificial intelligence. Yeah, so I, I think the foundation of this observability is in the IT operations, like you say, right? We've had these yeah. tools like Splunk and AppDynamics. Monitoring your infrastructure and your your applications because there's nothing else out there to do that. And now they're getting more sophisticated using AI and ML to dynamically generate not just alerts but correlate those alerts and then prioritize them automatically and send you only the most important ones because the last yeah. thing you want is a observability tool that generates way too many alerts and then you start to ignore it. <laughs> How has this market evolved in the past three to five years? Seems like it's come out of nowhere. So five years ago, we had a lot of APM tools. Uh, 
application performance management. And in terms of relative size, that's probably where the biggest pain remains. As I said, you could argue that operations observability is, um, is APM born again to address complex hybrid and cloud and multi-cloud environments. Um, and so that's, I, I'd say the, the biggest consistency is that you have this need to monitor your operations and optimize your operations. That's where operations observability and heritage APM comes to play. Um, the other areas of observability are somewhat new. Um, if you look at data quality observability, uh, we've certainly had quality tools in the past, but it's really looking at more interdependencies and things in more, in more of a real-time context. Model observability, that's new uh, because machine learning models are new. Um, if you look at business monitoring, that's, uh, that's new, but it's, it's building on uh, heritage discipline with business intelligence. So a lot of different pieces have changed, but I think the biggest piece and the biggest constant might well be that operations observability, which used to be called in an on-prem context APM, matters quite a bit. So would you say that most companies have one of these uh, operations observability tools? Since that's an older part of the market. Yeah, because that's been out there yeah, for, it's what, a mature 10, segment. 20 years now? Um, it's, it's an established segment. Organizations have uh, been allocating budget for that kind of thing for some time. What's happened is uh, organizations digitally transform in the wake of the COVID shock and uh, accelerate their transition to the cloud. They realize that um, that allocation of operations observability fund budget might not be sufficient. They need to look at other aspects of observability that are required for their digitizing business. What you calling the operations observability, that used to be two markets, right? It used to be IT infrastructure. Correct. Tools from, and then the application yeah, monitoring right. tools, yep. right? And now you're saying, and you're saying those two subsegments have merged into what you're calling they have. The and so it's really trying to look across the layers of the stack. Uh, there's the application on top. A, a good application performance management monitoring tool is going to look at the interdependencies below and the infrastructure. But there's certainly IT ops monitoring that's required as well. So if you kind of look at the application layer, the IT layer, the infrastructure layer, and put all that in a cloud context, it gets complicated fast. And that's what operations is all about. So those two sub-markets are converging. The IT operations guys are moving up to monitor the apps, and the apps guys are moving down further to monitor yeah. the infrastructure. And now, presumably, they're going to move out to handle these other shades of observability. They could. I do think that, um, well, it's interesting because there are a lot of different stakeholders that we're talking about here. When it comes to data observability, I think people will lean more and more on data engineers to handle some of the work of IT ops folks that might otherwise be uh, optimizing the performance of the infrastructure that supports the data pipelines. Data engineers could also help the data stewards or other governance managers when it comes to data quality. How is this market going to evolve? Well, it is interesting because, um, so a, a term that we haven't used, but vendors are using Fairmont is data observability. Most of the folks that are are calling themselves data observability are what I would call data quality observability. But I think that data observability is really, you can kind of view as a superset of two and maybe three categories, which is data quality plus data pipelines. So it's the performance of data and in the infrastructure and the pipelines that deliver that data. And then it's the quality and the timeliness of the data itself. 
that's where there's a fair amount of cross-pollination and opportunities for folks to um, potentially consolidate tools and where I think the vendors are going to start to to converge more over time. Model observability is interesting because it really gets to governance, as I said, of machine learning models. And I would argue that governance of, of machine learning and AI is going to merge with data governance um, so that you'll have models that will be cataloged and monitored and controlled similar as other types of data assets. So that's where you might see model observability merging to some degree with other aspects of observability but also merging in a big way with data governance. Let's wrap this up here a little bit and pretend that you're talking to CIO, CDO, uh, and I'm that person. You know, what kind of recommendations would you give that person at this point in time about what to do with observability? Yeah, great question. I would start by having them check, take their own pulse on pain. I, the, the, the starter question would be, to what degree do you feel that you're in control of the risk of your digital business? Most organizations have digitized more of their businesses and their transactions and their interactions over the last two years because of COVID, which means that they've had to embrace digital platforms pretty quickly. And in all likelihood, that's created new levels of variability and risk. And I think the question to a CIO or a CDO is, do you feel that you're managing that risk appropriately? Um, if the answer is no, and I think it will be no for, for many organizations, then you start to say, okay, well, what, what specifically are the areas of risk that you're not managing? And do you feel like you understand well enough the interdependencies of these platforms that you've digitized in the last few years? Um, that's where you can start to drill in to specific segments. So data engineers can talk about their data pipeline problems. Um, you can have uh, cloud ops engineers that can talk about what's happening operationally and, and so forth. So that's where you can start to get into specific functional groups and they can explain what their pain is, which can kind of guide you on where and how and if you might need a, uh, an observability tool. Terrific. Well, I think that's wonderful advice. Uh, spoken like a true veteran. So <laughs> Kevin, thank you so much for appearing on this podcast. I enjoyed it, Wayne. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you want more insights on data and analytics, visit the Eckerson Group website at eckerson.com.